Okay. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you are having the happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny Kay. G5 Football Daily, your audio accompaniment to our coverage with SI Media Group and Fan Nation. Joe Londrigan here with you as always and excited to get into some National Signing Day uh, recap news and notes, uh, at least from the early signing period anyway, with someone who knows the G5 uh, very well, has covered it with me for a number of years, someone you've heard on this this mediocre podcast before, uh, Mr. Eric. Speak for Curry. yourself, Lonergan. I don't know about mediocre. Speak for There's nothing mediocre about me, my friend. No, you're very correct. There's nothing mediocre <laughs> about you, uh, Mr. Tampa himself, uh, Eric Henry. How you doing today, bud? I am doing wonderful, sir. I am back in the in God's country, Florida, Tampa, Florida, to be precise. I'm here. Hanging out with some old college friends, getting ready to head out to the Gasparilla Bowl, where UCF will be taking on Georgia Tech. But in the meantime, always happy to be talking a little bit of group of five football with you, sir. Speaking of the holidays and bowl games, I have to ask, did you catch any of last night's Boca Raton Bowl matchup between uh, South Florida and Syracuse by chance? Yeah, I, I Threw it off after the first quarter. The fact that the USF Bulls are indeed back was very tough for my UCF <laughs> alumni self to swallow. But no, all joke aside, yes, I, it was an outstanding performance from South Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you didn't watch the second half, then you missed ESPN's Matt Barry deliver a scathing review of the Holiday Classic Love Actually, which was one of my favorite moments of bowl season thus far. Um, you know what? I did miss that. I did miss it. I've never seen Love Actually. I'm familiar with the movie, but I've never seen it. So it, you know, I it it was so funny. They got about seven or so minutes into the third quarter, and they Matt basically was just like, "This game is a blowout. There's only so much we can talk. We can actually talk about as far as what's happening on the field. So for the next ten to fifteen minutes, I'd love to talk to you about a holiday film that I absolutely hate." And it was, you know, I, I won't recite his his bits, but it was up there with my favorite moments of bowl season alongside Jeff Trailer talking about iced coffee in his butt crack and uh, Sean Clark saying he wanted to go meet Mickey Mouse at Universal Studios. <laughs> that, that was my that's been my favorite line of the bowl season. The fact that Sean Clark decided, yeah, we're go- what's your favorite thing about Universal? I'm looking for him meeting Mickey Mouse. It's like, sir. And I understand I'm a Floridian, so maybe that hits a little bit harder, but. Mickey Mouse does not reside at Universal Studios. <laughs> the line gets a little blurred up near Boone, Carolina, between <laughs> Mickey Mouse and the Minions, I guess, when you were talking about intellectual properties. But before we get too derailed, Eric, early signing day happened this past Wednesday. We saw uh, a few notable things happen in the group of five. Um, you know, we'll start in the American Athletic Conference. Um, I, I may just say, some stuff, some nice things about South Florida. I'm going to do it again. They by far had the uh, highest rated class uh, in the group of five, it looks like. Um, Headlining that class, tight end Jonathan Eccles out of IMG Academy, six foot five, 230 pounds, the highest group of five recruit by 247's rankings anyway in this class. I I can see why. He's got the uh, measurables all the way around. And based on what we're seeing out of this Alex Golish offense, the last you know year here seems like he can you know they can find a use for him right away listen joe it's absolutely impressive i mean it's been one of the things i know we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast and i I think that you know you've written about it for the site kind of the trajectory the weird 
kind of seesaw trajectory of that program over the past half decade, really since Willie Taggart left and, and you know, Kyle, things have kind of ebbed and flowed. The um, Jeff Scott era just did not go well. I mean, there's no two ways about it. So the fact that Alex Gold has been able to come in in year one, get that team to seven wins, and now with this type of success, he'll be able to do what previous coaches really, uh, since Willie Taggart struggled to do, and that's recruit the Tampa area because that's been one of the major complaints from programs in the area you talked about. They get the big tight end from IMG, certainly a powerhouse that's about an hour down the road, but then they pick up a kid, Arkeese Parks from Robinson in Tampa, and they get the son of former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Martin Grammatica as a kicker and Nico Grammatica from Cambridge Christian. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how they uh, they build. And get another kid, Tyreek Major from uh, my alma mater, Gaither High School in Tampa. So going to be interesting to see how they can build on this. But all in all, Joe, I mean, you cannot think of a it's, – it's, I take that deep sigh because, you know, me, me being a UCF alum, I don't want to say much nice about them. But, no, all jokes aside, it's just very – um, intriguing and, and it'd be interesting to see how they can build on this because Joe, we've talked about it again, or, or again, you've written about it on the site. There's no shortage of infrastructure with that program. They have good facilities. They play in an NFL stadium. And if they can get things rolling again, it'll be interesting to see. We've talked about it. There's going to be another round of realignment. You know, there will be one more round before this thing is all said and done. So to see these programs kind of put themselves in position in terms of infrastructure, South Florida is right there as a, as a team that if they can string together a couple of winning seasons, um, you know, ideally double digit winning seasons, it's right there for them. Completely agree. I mean, even on the transfer side, they're doing some impressive things. They got Purdue receiver Abdur Rahman Yassin uh, from Purdue, six foot two, 200 pounder, who's got a couple years left of eligibility, former four star. Love what Alex Golish is doing on that front. You mentioned uh, Fred Gaskin the third as well from Ocala. Really solid safety. I think he's going to fit well into that class. Uh, Tulsa also had a pretty good class, a big class with 25 kids. Um, East Carolina had a, had a decent class as well, but ultimately it's it's going to come down to how Mike Houston actually utilizes said class. Um, Charlotte had some interesting names, but Eric, I think the big name, at least from the transfer portal for me, was the commitment and the uh, subsequent signing of quarterback E.J. Warner, of course, the son of Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, to the Rice Owls. They need another transfer quarterback to continue the momentum that uh, Mike Bloomgren has been, albeit slowly, building with the Owls, and they need another quarterback who goes by two initials in lieu of a first name. <laughs> well, I'll give you the, uh, the the cheap laugh there on that one, Joe. But listen, what I, what I think is interesting, we've talked about it on our previous podcast, the issue with Rice has always been the quarterback position. They've done enough. Mike Bloomgren has done enough at other positions to field a solid program. The thing that's kept them from really achieving consistent success in the win column and, of course, getting to bowl games has been the revolving door quarterback. You know, they seemingly had it stabilized with Mike Collins a couple of years back, the TCU transfer, and then he had to retire due to injuries. And they bring in Luke McCaffrey. He train he switches positions to wide receiver. And, you know, they're, they're able to kind of get it squirt away a little bit there, you know, in, in terms of this year with JT Daniels, he ends up getting banged up. So it, it's, it's very crucial. If they're not going to get their target out of high school, they need to hit in the portal. And as we've talked about Mike Bloomgren, then this being year six for him, Joe, I believe uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that all six seasons they have started. No, I'm sorry. Wiley green did start one year. So they, one quarterback that they recruited was started a season opener outside of that. 
the rest of their quarterbacks have been transfer portal quarterbacks. So getting a kid with a couple of years left of eligibility, EJ Warner, gives them a nice building block to, to kind of, you know, keep things going in the right direction. Yeah. You know, something else I think is super interesting with how Rice has been approaching the transfer portal in particular uh, the last couple of years is just being able to find these guys from schools like Harvard and Dartmouth and uh, some of the other schools with high academic barriers of entry that, you know, ultimately get through their smarty boy <laughs> degree. You know, they get the degrees from the the Ivy League schools and uh, other schools of that nature and then just want to have that FBS opportunity. And they can still have that at a place like Rice while still being academically challenged in, in whatever they want to do. And, of course, obviously a degree from a place like that will – more than uh, pass the entrance exam for Rice, at least you would think, right? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think you get the nail on the head there in that they're getting, you know, that Ivy League education, but also getting, you know, a school that certainly considers themselves amongst the Ivy Leagues uh, while not, you know, being formally considered one in Rice. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, offensive tackle Spencer Castle, six foot six, 300 pounder, I believe is the uh, latest example of that. Excited to see how he fits into what uh, Mike Bloomgren's building there. Um, so the AAC, uh, not a huge surprise, but ultimately I think what they did was probably, at least on paper, um, some of the better recruiting in, in the G5, so to speak, anyway. But, you know, moving on, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what we saw out. Oh, excuse me. That beer is coming back to haunt me a little bit, Eric. Uh, let's talk a little <laughs> Conference USA. Let's, let's talk a little Conference USA. You know, I, I think probably the best, or at least the highest rated recruit anyway, uh, according to uh, 247 and, and the On3 industry ranking. Uh, Chukwenadu Okeke, uh, Okiki, rather, um, the defensive lineman for Western Kentucky, a three-star recruit out of Pebblebrook High School in Georgia, six foot four, 265-pounder. You know, we've seen guys who have that ability to kind of play the the edge rusher, like what Jaquez Evans was, uh, what D'Angelo Malone was. Seems like he kind of fits the build. Um, you know, just because he's obviously a little bit younger, I, I ultimately, I think he could, you know, I, I would like to see him get a little bit faster. I, I think he can ultimately get there with a guy like uh, Jason Deltkamp at the uh, strength coach there at, at Western Kentucky and what he's been able to do. Um, but yeah, I, I like this kid's measurables a lot. I, I think he's probably the uh, the recruit, at least out of high school, that that sticks out the most in Conference USA. Joe, what I like about this class is it's a top 100 overall rank, top 90 composite. For anyone who's not familiar with the difference between overall and composite with 24-7, I will just do a cheap plug here for the uh, employer. Overall ranking is essentially what 24-7 uh, uses, right? Your composite ranking is the composite score of all of the major recruiting services. So, um, you know, the, the, the three are three in 24 seven rivals and ESPN that gives you the composite score. With that being said, only signing 11 kids, but still getting a top 100 class for a group of five is very impressive. So good to see that, you know, Tyson Helton and company Tyson Helton, someone who has not been scared to reshape his roster through the transfer portal. So we'll have to see what he chooses to do in the second signing window, but getting uh, again, you know, looking at solid kids here, like Zesakari Minis uh, from Eustis, Florida. It's about, a little bit outside of Orlando, Dallin Ponder from Ocala Vanguard, again, in that central Florida area. Five kids from Florida, if memory serves me correct. I'm taking a look, Zavin Griffin, Gabriel Arnold, and I think there's one more there that I'm missing. So recruiting the, the Sunshine State really well, of course, uh, a lot of good talent there. Georgia, 
Texas. So good to see Western Kentucky and Tyson Helton kind of establish some some strong recruiting bases in, in states where you know you're going to get talent. Yeah, I agree. I think that's been a priority for them um, going back a, a couple of coaching staffs, honestly. And that and then with Tyson Helton, especially uh, Georgia's become a bigger priority as well, which is good to see. Staying in Conference USA, I think another school that did a pretty decent job in terms of bringing in uh, some kids that that could fit not just immediate needs, but I think Jamie Chadwell at Liberty has done a pretty decent job at planning for the future at uh, some of these positions that Liberty is going to need, maybe not next year, but in a couple of years. Um, and in particular, quarterback, they got a kid from IMG Academy, Jaden Bradford, six foot, uh, six foot kid, 185 pounder, three star. Um, Number 58 quarterback in the nation, I believe. So I, I like the fact that they were able to go out and find somebody who I think long-term could be uh, a really good follow-up to Caden Salter whenever he chooses to move on in whatever form that takes. Um, and then I, I mentioned that um, Western Kentucky had the highest-rated high school signee in the conference. I think you also have a guy like Caden Whidbey who's right there as well at linebacker who uh, I, I think uh, comes out of that Monticello, Georgia area, Jasper County High School to be specific. Um, you know, I, I think if given a little more time to put a little more uh, weight on that frame, not too much, um, but but just kind of looking at, you know, some of his high school tape, I think there's a little room for that. Um, and then also got a guy out of uh, good old East Mississippi Community College and edge rusher Alvin Williams, you know, shout out scuba. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like Liberty's class as well. Again, another thing with Liberty, you got to be impressed with just getting consistent three-star kids all the way through. You know Liberty's going to be able to produce a good class, especially coming off of this type of season and the facilities that they had. So definitely a reason to be impressed there. And as you talked about, they get the kid Jaden Bradford from IMG Academy. It's always interesting, Joe, when you recruit quarterbacks from big-time programs like IMG or you know St. Thomas Aquinas or others because you know they're surrounded by good talent always kind of makes it an interesting evaluation. But no doubt that Jaden Bradford will be surrounded by the right uh, pieces there at Liberty to have a, a success. So definitely interested to see how that goes. And again, landing a quarterback out of high school, something that seemingly is a rarity in, in today's college football with how loaded the transfer portal is. So seemingly they liked what they saw in him. For sure. Moving on to the Mac, uh, Toledo, I think, got the highest high school signee there with a uh, four-star receiver. Well, three-star composite, four-star according to 247, uh, at a Cardinal Mooney in Florida. You mentioned some of the uh, you know high-profile programs in Florida. I would, I would probably put Cardinal Mooney in that uh, category, depending on where we're, what era we're talking about anyway. But six foot three, 175-pound guy, some, got some good arm length on him. Um, had some really notable offers from a lot of SEC programs. I believe you know everyone was thinking this guy was going to sign with um, South Carolina, who uh, makes a habit of, of signing the really high, highly rated uh, receiver types, but ultimately it goes with uh, Jason Candle's team at Toledo. Uh, flipped him uh, at the last possible second, so you got to be happy with that if you're a Rockets fan. Yeah, and Joe, again, I, I, something else I know we've talked about a little bit in our previous podcast. I haven't gotten into it too much. You see three Floridians on this Toledo signing class. It just goes to show. I mean, everyone's going to recruit to Sunshine State, right? It, 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 it's just something that is is the name of the game. So seeing some of these programs establish uh, recruiting footholds there. And you talk about a Cardinal Moody, even a Pensacola Catholic there. So uh, in Demontre Gibson. So good to see the mill to, to kind of get some kids from those established um, programs down here. But also, you know, their own, uh, excuse me, their own footholds in Cincinnati and Columbus. And I even saw a kid from Tinley Park here 
uh, as well. And uh, Carlos Hazelwood, a defensive lineman. So th that's the thing in my mind about, you know, some of the Mac schools is there's really good football. So you can attest played in not even you get outside of Ohio, but you get in the suburbs of Illinois and some of those other areas there that you can find really good talent and build your roster and M Michigan, another one as, as well. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen kids like uh, Asher O'Hara come out of the Chicago suburbs and that's uh you know, it, it's an area of the country I think maybe gets overlooked a little bit when it comes to football talent, just because there's so much good basketball talent there as well. But yeah, can never count out places like Naperville and, and that kind of stuff. Going on the other side of the uh, MAC title game, let's talk about the champs a little bit, the Miami Redhawks. Um, I was curious to see in particular what they were going to do in terms of addressing their quarterback needs long term, because Brett Gabbert's only got one more year. Who knows how healthy he's actually going to stay wasn't really impressed with uh, the two redshirt sophomores they played in the Cure Bowl. Avion Smith, of course, has moved on to Alabama A&M, uh, which was uh, an interesting note from signing day. But they did get a kid who I, I think has some promise with uh, Caleb Martin out of Bradley Central High School in Cleveland, Tennessee. Six foot two, 170 pound, three star recruit. Uh, could take a little bit to uh, develop, but I, I think certainly he'll have time, especially if he has. Uh, you know, the opportunity to learn from someone like Gabbert, someone like Chuck Martin, who's developed uh, some pretty decent quarterbacks in his time with the Red Hawks alone. And uh, frankly, just has to, you know, has those other guys that I mentioned that played in the Cure Bowl to uh, compete against and maybe have uh, maybe push him a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, you talked about the departure of Avion Smith definitely was a little bit intriguing seeing him land at Alabama A&M. Nevertheless, the two kids from uh, Miami signing class who intriguing are Zach Meeks, uh, two kids out of the Indianapolis area, Zach Meeks from cathedral and then a quarterback tom thomas godowski out of ben davis again two very strong programs there in, in the indianapolis area I and mean, you can take a look at the tight end um in zach meeks six seven two twenty right so that's the type of kid joe in my mind he may play tight end but if he fills out 20 or 30 pounds you flip him defensive end you got a big time uh athlete there at that uh at that area as well and they get the kid chris manu from Dublin, Ohio. Again, another kid with a, a ready-made body at 6'4", 240. Listed as an interior offensive line. I'd be interested to see where he lands because that's, it just seems a little bit small from my mind. I, I, maybe he can flip to the other side of the ball and go defensive line and, and, and interested to see where, where he falls. But all in all, a very solid class for Miami of Ohio. Very much so. I think that's enough on the Mac for right now as we try to fit this all into a nice little compact package for you. Uh, let's go to the Mountain West where this was a little surprising for me. Top high school recruit in that league, at least as of Wednesday night, uh, Jason Mitchell, a safety for San Diego State, four-star out of uh, the storied St. John Bosco program in Southern California. Six foot five, 230, really good size for a safety. I can kind of see him playing one of those uh, safety linebacker hybrids that um, you know San Diego State and others have uh, have kind of liked to use over the last few years. It, it, the name of that position, I think, kind of varies depending on where you go. Some people call sure. it a bandit. Some people call it like a husky. Um, but I think he could really fit in in a position like that. Um, but yeah, in the high 80s and pretty much every recruiting, but I, I like what he did. And San Diego State had a nice little class, which is not easy to do, especially when you have an outgoing coach. Well, Joe, I, I, you may have seen this because I, uh, I haven't seen anything as of late. Jason Mitchell, is he signed on the dotted line? Because I know 24-7 has, has him as a hard commit, which usually means that, you know, you, you that's where you're committed. That's where your verbal is, but you are not signed. Per St. John Bosco's website, yes, he is signed. 
Okay. All right. Well, that, that is that is interesting. So we'll see if that gets updated on the website. Because yeah, that would be a big time addition. Uh, just was talking about Cathedral in Indianapolis. Danny O'Neill, uh, their quarterback, lands at San Diego State. Interested to see how that shapes up. They get the uh, San Diego State also gets a transfer quarterback in AJ Duffy, someone who I'm familiar with. Um, he played his high school ball. We double check. Uh, and yeah, exactly. IMG. That's exactly what I thought it was. IMG and Bradenton. So really want to stockpile that quarterback position can never have too many signal callers on the roster. And as you said, with an outgoing coach, uh, securing a, a very solid class, especially in this early half is, is, is uh, really a coup for the Aztecs. Staying in the Mountain West, I, I think one other kid that I've, I've written about a little bit before, and I'm still very high on in terms of what his ceiling is, is uh, Jordan Ross out of Downey, California. He signed with Colorado State as a wide receiver. He's 5'11", 180, um, committed to Colorado State a while ago, uh, back in the early part of the summer, I believe. He's like the number 33 recruit in the state of California, which is obviously very talent-rich. Um, Jane Orvell is a guy who really prides himself on his uh, development of receivers. So, I mean, if, if they can – take this kid and make him into something special. I ultimately, in my opinion, anyway, I think that would kind of redeem Jay Norvell's reputation a little bit because he hasn't really done a whole lot as a head coach in the FBS, but if they can do something with this kid, then that would be a really nice step in the right direction for everybody involved. Well, I mean, Joe, the thing in my mind is, listen, Colorado state is, is not necessarily the easiest place in the world to recruit. I mean, you, you can say Jay Norvell or otherwise. So yes, you know, that would be a, a very, um, interesting addition or, or, or really a, a needed addition. You take a look at their their composite rank, ranked 65 and composite 76 overall. In my mind, that's a hell of a job by Jay Norvell getting that at San Diego State. I take a look. They get a kid, Darius Polly. That's another legacy program, Long Beach Polly, the Jackrabbits, one of the more interesting, unique uh, nicknames amongst the high school ranks. But that's uh, a kid, a quarterback, certainly comes from a big time program. Landon Bell, recruiting California, well from Newberry Park. AJ Nolan uh, from Oregon. Chance Harrison, kid from Oxnard. So definitely getting some some standout prospects. Uh, I'd just be interested to see, you know, in my mind, Joe, I mean, and I'm, I guess I'm asking you in the form of a question. Yeah. Whether or not you think Colorado State underachieved this year, the question is, do they go portal heavy? either next recruiting class or even next window, because uh, as you said, you know, with Jay Norvell and Colorado state probably need to start getting some wins on the board uh, immediately. In my mind, you have to, I mean, I, th I think you can't really look at this era of college football and not see the portal as a priority, especially with how much Norvell has been publicly annoyed with losing guys himself to the portal. Um, but regardless, yeah, I, I would. It would not surprise me to see them kind of get some guys uh, to fill some immediate needs there. Um, but yeah, long term, I think this class is really good. Out of, in terms of the high school kids they got, you mentioned Darius Curry at a Long Beach Poly, uh, former program of uh, Snoop Dogg, I believe. I forget what his correct. government no, name you, is, but yeah, <laughs> you are correct. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, AJ Nolan. I, I didn't get to see him in person, but Tualatin's just outside of Portland, so certainly heard that name a lot in terms of local coverage. So, you know, good for him finding a home there, but yeah. And then of course, you know, we mentioned some of the other kids in, in the mountain West Boise state had a, had really solid class uh, despite uh, losing one or two commitments in the wake of the Andy Avalos firing, but um, still some pretty good names there. UNLV managed to do a nice job of reloading a little bit, had 22 kids in that class. So 
Um, yeah, Mountain West has some good names coming up as far as future talent there. Um, and let's wrap up this part of the show with uh, the Sun Belt. The biggest one for me in terms of high school signees, Eric, goes to Arkansas State quarterback Josh Flowers out of the uh, Baker out of Baker High School in uh, in Alabama. I forget what uh, city that's closest to, but uh, believe they flipped him. He was uh, very keen on going to. Uh, Mississippi State, I believe, had a lot of Power Five offers. This kid, but seems like he thinks he's going to be able to thrive in a Butch Jones system, uh, which is interesting as well because Jalen Rayner's got a lot of eligibility left. So who knows where he's going to fit into that role in terms of maybe you know they push each other or you know if Jalen Rayner moves on in a year or two, we'll see. But that is a smart signing for Arkansas State, I believe. There we go. Good chance. Come off a mute here. Get going here, Joe. Listen, um, Arkansas State, they almost feel a year or two ahead of schedule considering the year they had this year. So for them to be able to get a another prospect to come in there and really kind of build off things, just a, a major coup for Butch Jones there in the company, and especially in the Sun Belt where Arkansas State, one of the things about, things about that program, excuse me, is they don't necessarily have some of the what I'll call, even though there are a lot of Sunbelt schools that are in smaller cities, smaller towns, they have more natural um, recruiting territories, right? Arkansas State, this is no shade to the state of Arkansas. It isn't, you know, Arkansas isn't known as the strongest high school, um, you know, football territory, right? I mean, you have a couple of kids here or there who come out and they typically end up in the SEC, but for them to be able to secure a class like they did, it, given some of the challenges that they have, just not having those inherent, you know, ties like you know your, your suburbs of Atlanta or suburbs of Nashville or others just great job by Butch Jones completely agree with that assessment so uh, in terms of the portal Eric one I thought was really interesting goes to Marshall which they went ahead and got former Wake Forest quarterback Mitch Griffiths who got some really good uh time this year as the Demon Deacon starting quarterback of course, Marshall needing to fill a need at starting quarterback uh, following the transfer of Cam Fancher. Although Cole Pennington didn't look terrible in uh, that Frisco Bowl game against UTSA. Obviously had some, uh, you know, just some inexperience, I think, came into play with some of the decisions he made. Um, but getting a guy like Griffiths to, uh, you know, really give them that veteran presence in the quarterback room, I think that was a really nice move um, by Charles Huff's staff. So, you know, I, I guess your thoughts on that signing in particular. As you talked about, Marshall is going to have to do something at the quarterback position. Now that they have Cole Pennington, right? And that's someone who you think is not going to end up in the portal, but you never know in today's day and age, Joe, you can't, you can never say never with the portal. So, and Marshall's a program that's had good success with quarterbacks. I, I just think the interesting thing, Joe, kind of brought it out from the actual recruiting situation is, They've had trouble hanging on to them, whether it's been Isaiah Green or um, I'm forgetting the kid now who was who was at uh, uh, is at Virginia Tech. Joe, help me out. Um, oh, the quarterback. Oh, yeah. shoot. Grant, well, Grant Wells. Grant, Grant Wells. Wells, right. It, it, it's, it's been a while here. I mean, we're probably going back a little while in terms of Marshall being able to um, hang on to, to quarterbacks for four years. So in my mind, that's the thing I'm interested to see with Charles Huff and company. Obviously, he 
made his comments earlier in, in the season talking about that situation. But all in all, a good signing. And Marshall, you know, that's that's one of those symbol programs I'm talking about that while they're in a small city has strong recruiting ties all over the, the South. So and even in, within the Midwest and Charles Huff's home area, the DMV as well. So not too surprised there. Yeah, I you know, a couple extra shout outs in the Sun Belt. Texas State, uh, as they extend, G.J. Kenny did a good job of uh, following that take back Texas uh, mantra that they are kind of living by now. Um, guys like Jordan Smith at linebacker, a zero star, but a guy that I, I personally think has some good potential. Um, some other guys coming out of the JUCO uh, ranks, Ryan Nolan out of Hutchinson in Kansas. Um, and then even, you know, just, just really, I think there's kind of starting to stockpile talent at positions like wide receiver guys like Christopher Jones out of Westbury, uh, Jordan Martin out of Kimball high school in Dallas. So GJ Kenny, I, I think the, um, and, oh, and Derek Osmond, a kid that they flipped, uh, from Oklahoma, I believe, which was crazy. Um, yeah, one of the better recruits in Oklahoma signing for, or, uh, yeah, signing for Texas State, but committing to Texas State a while ago, Derek Osmond, uh, who's kind of listed as an athlete, but ultimately I think makes the most sense for him to play tight end. Kenny taking some big steps there. So a uh, little disappointed in Georgia State's efforts, if I'm being honest. Only eight commits, and uh, they've got some immediate holes to fill. So we'll see what they're able to do in the next couple of months. Uh, Eric, we got a couple of minutes left, so I'll, I'll simply just ask you to end the show off. Is there anybody in the transfer portal in particular that hasn't signed yet um, that you're really keen to just see where they end up as far as guys who played in the G5 last year. Sure. Again, maybe I'm biased, Joe, but Grayson James, it's not often you get a kid who has 13 games worth of starting experience at the FBS level and hasn't signed. I thought North Texas would have been a natural home for him or even Texas state. So I'm really intrigued to see where he goes for starters. Um, definitely a couple others, but I'll start with him and kind of, you know, pass it back to you. Yeah. I, my big one's Zion Turner. Um, the fact sure. that he hasn't, yeah, I mean, mobile guy, uh, former three-star, very talented, um, certainly was, in my mind, not the reason that UConn had a pretty pretty disappointing year this year. Um, but, I, you know, I think he'll find someplace I'm a little I'm, – I'm confused as to why no one has um, been able to land him yet. That That's my big one. Um, at the very least, you know, something that was interesting to me and something that I'm working on an article about for the site, we'll see if I can get it done before this podcast goes up. But a lot of XG5 guys are finding homes at HBCUs. We talked about Avion Smith. Sure. Um, oh, who was the FAU kid that just uh, – FAU Yeah, just went to FAMU. Um, and then uh, Tennessee State got one too. Um, they just got a quarterback from the G5 ranks. But, you know, who knows? I, I think ultimately I think that just comes down to fit. You know, kids don't really uh, care as much. At least I, I think the smart ones don't care as much about going to a program that's a brand. They just want to go somewhere that's going to get them the best tape and give them the best experience. Oh, I mean, listen, Joe, I'm just adding really quick on, on, on that aspect. I, I, this is probably what you can call the Deion Sanders effect in the sense that, you know, he, I don't want to, well, let me rephrase this because I, I, I do not, uh, let's, let's scratch that. I don't want to say he made it popular to go to an HBC that's disrespecting the, you know, decades long history of HBCUs. I, I do think the attention that he brought to HBCUs with Jackson State may have revitalized uh, HBCUs as a viable option for kids who end up going to an FBS school and for whatever, whatever reason or another, 
hit the transfer portal and then want to find that as a home. So there's no doubt about that because, again, Joe, we can take a look at the list. I mean, that hasn't necessarily been the case prior to the past few years. Yeah, and uh, I get yeah. The one thing I will appreciate about Sanders and just the you know kind of marketing machine that he is, and that's that's not a slight. He just knows how to you know get him and and what he's about out there. I, I think more kids are just seeing that it's a viable option in terms of pro potential and just in terms of you know I, I think there's kind of a misconception about HBCUs and FCS programs in general about you know facilities and. I, I don't want to say culture because that sounds inauthentic coming from someone like me, but just someone like you, how Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, someone, I'm kidding. Someone, I'm kidding. You can finish that. Someone, someone, right? who, someone who did not have the experience of playing at an HBCU. Okay, I'll say sure. that. Um, sure. But all, all I'm saying is you, you can go somewhere where you are going to fit scheme wise and, and, you know, in terms of with the other guys in the locker room and, have a really solid experience. Tevin Carter, by the way, was the guy I was thinking of. The uh, kid who was backing up uh, Seth Hennigan at Memphis and uh, just signed with Tennessee State in this cycle. So I like that one. I, I think he can see the field uh, much more quickly if he had starred, if he had stayed rather at uh, at Memphis. But uh, yeah, some fun times in signing day. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, Eric, do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Find my coverage of Texas football, Big 12, uh, college football playoff, Horns 24-7, 247sports.com, cbssports.com as well. All right, and then you can find me at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore and, of course, uh, G5 Football Daily for our coverage of the Group of Five with Sports Illustrated Media Group and then at G5 Football Daily on Instagram and TikTok as a – uh, work through editing some of these uh, clips that I've been working on the last couple of weeks here. Uh, happy football watching, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you very, very soon.